I think in a lot of cases, women would be happier if they could take the sex act the way the man does. I think the way men process what happens during sex makes is more fun than the way women do. I think that's a big part of the reason why men have much more drive, even setting aside testosterone and stuff towards sex than women do is because it's more fun. Hello, and welcome to Your Mileage May Vary. We talk about sex and relationships with frankness that is often controversial, but mostly in good faith. On today's show, we're going to cover, for the 1,000th time, another piece of evidence illuminating whether blowjobs are demeaning or not, how wetness may or may not relate relate to attraction, whether vagina smell lingers, and more. I'm Keith. My co-host is Mike. Hello, Mike. Hello, Keith. Uh, I'm going to talk about drug usage here which maybe we'll decide we want to edit out, but I doubt it. Uh, I took an edible uh, two days ago, which is the first time I've done that in months. Uh, It was uh, a weed, a marijuana edible. And I saw the movie. I don't even know what it's called. It's the new Willy Wonka movie. Have you heard of this movie? Well, I mean, I'm familiar with the book and the movie (laughs) from the 1970s. I assume yet again, like the Disney Corporation has remade a movie. I think it's not disney i think netflix owns the rights to okay but i saw this movie in the theater so it can't have been netflix anyway well you were high so maybe you weren't in the theater (laughs) that's true Uh, yeah what what even year is it uh it starred timothy chalamet do you know who that is no wow okay well he is an actor and he plays willy wonka anyway it was pretty good seeing that movie a little bit stoned. I, I don't know if I've ever gone to see a movie before while I while I was stoned, and it was yeah, it was a pretty nifty experience. Okay, I mean, was there any? I mean, I know that it makes sense to me Why that Willy Wonka would yeah, Willy Wonka would typically be a movie that that you can imagine somebody somebody watching stoned yeah. just because right. It's um in the same vein as like Alice in Wonderland or something. Right. It's a little dark. It's very colorful. There's lots of fantastical things going on. Um, right. Yeah. It was, it, it, it's, a, it's a musical, which isn't there like an elevator. I'm remembering this from like when I was seven mm-hmm. from reading it, but I think, isn't there an elevator that goes sideways? And then in like the, f- in the, in the next book, the elevator goes, he, he like pushes a button, the elevator starts going up and it crashes through like the top of the building and like goes into space or something. Um, Does this sound familiar to you? The sequel is definitely called Charlie and the great glass elevator. Oh, oh, okay. There we go. See, I think, yeah. And, and, and probably I'm guessing when it was written, elevators were sort of new. And so like there was some, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe there was some imagination around elevators that now, now I guess elevator, right. Nowadays, the imagination around elevators would all be, I guess getting your cock sucked in one or something. Mm-hmm. But back then, you know, it was like a, yeah, like a vehicle, a transportation vehicle. Yeah. I remember the fact that the elevator went, went sideways in the book being notable to me because I was like, well, how would you even do that engineering wise? You could do like, it. You'd need a sideways shaft and then rails or something. But it, but it runs on rails anyway. It would have to disconnect from the cables. Vertical. That, yeah, that's yeah. true. So it'd be pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair point. It'd be, be kind of tricky. Yeah. Uh, Is there a punchline to the story, or not really? I don't know why I brought that up. Maybe I just wanted to flex my drug problem. 
drug uh, problem? Well, I don't have a drug problem. I think the last time I took an edible was before the summer, so eight months. Right. That's that's probably a tolerable amount of usage without any serious long-term health impacts. I'm What's guessing. the primary effect you get from the edible? Does it just feel like you're slightly drunk or do you get kind of visual mm. hallucinations or anything like that? Or are no. you just friendlier? I think my main, the main thing I notice is certain senses seem a little bit amplified or different. Like time seems to move a little bit differently, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. Sound will seem loud or soft off and on, sort of weirdly. Hmm. I can feel my thought patterns. Like I can feel how they get stacked up one after another. It's interesting just because you, you have your like normal sphere of experience and it's a totally different thing. So it sort of shows you that, yeah, there are other planes of, of experience. That makes sense. Um, okay. Note two, I am going to Florida to see my family for the holiday. My sister wanted to meet someplace warm. So we're going to Florida. It's and not then, always warm in Florida in December, you know. Yeah, the forecast looks a little not so great, actually. And then Hawaii, I don't yeah, you're from the sort of eastern half of the US. Like I assume you agree with my general view. I, um my family's also from the eastern half of the US and some years ago I declared that I wouldn't go to Florida anymore and my declaration contained in it the claim that I believe strongly is correct that if you live in California in every possible way, going to Hawaii is better. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I don't think there's even one way in which Florida, unless you, you could say, oh, my family's there cheap. or something. It might be slightly cheaper. Okay. That might be right. But yeah, Hawaii, like it's it's actually warm there. The water's always warm. It's yep. just, yeah, it's actually, it's the thing you want from Florida. The food is in more the, interesting. The people are less annoying. Uh, there's did more you, did you, scenery. Did you try to get, have you ever tried to get your family to to see this point of view or do you just, are you, you're okay with Florida? And so I mean, sort of stay there. The family members that would be upset by what I'm about to say, don't listen to this show, but okay. <laughs> hmm. Yes. I have tried to persuade to go to other places, but okay. uh, amongst other things, uh, not needing to make a long or connecting flight is a big priority for my sister because she has two children and she's a doctor, so she doesn't have a whole lot of time off. And so okay. compressing things time-wise is valuable to her and reducing hassle or potential hassle. agree that, uh, I'm sure you've made arguments like this, but once you're on the plane, uh, unless you're talking about a transcontinental flight, anything in the North American area, even including Hawaii, mm -hmm. the amount of the marginal number of hours, uh, actually is sort of insignificant compared to just the fact that you have to get to the airport, go through the whole process. I mean, so going to Hawaii might be three more hours or four more hours for somebody, but it's not yeah. going to be 27 more hours, right? Yeah. Okay. There's, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I completely agree with that. For starters, if you have to connect, that like makes a big difference. Well, you can't connect on the way to Hawaii because it's-, it's We ocean. can't. I guess, I guess if you're coming from New York City. My sister, yeah, my sister lives on the East Coast, so- I see. Um, for her, okay. it's almost certainly a connecting flight. And then, okay. yeah, like dragging her kids through the airport, I think adds, or a, a third airport adds material, extra hassle for her. But I, I don't want to check if there's a flight from like New York City to Honolulu. There probably is. There is. But I, 
yeah. But if you live in some other city, then obviously that's not going to work. Yeah. She, well, there might be direct flights from her city. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's actually New York to Honolulu, according to this, is an eight hour flight, which is notable because no, no, that's not right. I'll take that back. Okay. Let's move on. All right. The reason why I brought this up is after Florida, I'm going to go to two Caribbean countries that I have not been to before. So I'm going to get to country number 92 and number 93. Okay. And I updated my Tinder and Bumble profiles. And what are the countries? uh, Grenada and St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which are both very Southeast in the Caribbean. They're sort of North of Venezuela, I believe. So which countries colonized these places? I think Grenada was most recently by the British. Okay. Um, And I am not sure about St. Vincent, maybe the French. Okay. Uh, But I think the British were involved there too. I'm I'm not sure. Ask me in a few weeks and I'll have much better information. Anyway, I added to both of my online dating profiles, um, who wants to come to the Caribbean with me from December 26th to early January, 2024. All righty. And this is, of course, a unusual thing to ask somebody you've never met. Um, this isn't a, th- you weren't just doing this as a test. Like you would actually consider paying for a plane flight for somebody to go with you. Here is, you would do it. Here is what I would prefer. Okay. Here's the way I would have preferred things to go. So I added this a couple weeks ago. I'm leaving the day after tomorrow. And by the time we release this podcast, it will be in the past tense. But uh, I would like to have met them a couple times before going to establish that they're sane. <laughs> okay. Also, uh, for them, I'm sure they would want to meet me before going to realize that I'm like normal and sure, not dangerous. And I am already going to these places. I've already paid for my flights. I've already paid for my hotel. I'm going to, you know, so yeah, like I have these fixed fixed costs. The incremental cost of bringing somebody else is it's probably an extra 30% or something. Um, right. And so, but it doesn't double the cost of the trip. And so I tried this and I got basically, I mean, you know, I still got my normal number of matches, but almost nobody even engaged with the premise. Like, Hey, tell me more about this. And okay, I guess it's not surprising in retrospect. It is sort of a crazy thing to do but it's partly uh it's a i mean part my immediate thought is that you're picking the holiday season when yeah the odds that a young woman is going to be feel free enough to do that are really low already what better time i mean i said december 26th to early january now i know people have familial obligations in the days leading up to christmas and maybe a couple days after and maybe I could have added like various details like, oh, I can be flexible on dates and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But, I, you know, I didn't want to write an essay about this. Right. I, I just think read that it anyway. there's this irritating tendency that people have, I think, worldwide to all want to do the same things on the same <laughs> days. Yeah. So uh, and I, I, I'm, I genuinely find it irritating because, uh, yeah, it creates traffic jams and everything's kind of a headache. And I don't care about a specific holiday but the problem is once you have if you if you interact with anybody who has a job that i will call sort of somewhat blue collar meaning you have to show up at a place 
And so like even, yeah, even something like a lawyer could be blue collar in my view. Uh, not an information job, not something you can do remotely, uh, not something you can change the schedules for. Sure. Okay, you have that problem. And then, of course, if you're dealing with a kid who has to go to school, well, the schools all yeah. have their vacations synchronized around these timelines. And so most people, I mean, yeah, some really high percentage of people are just going to opt out of that. It would be interesting to know what kind of response you would get if you moved it to like February 1st through 6th or something. Yeah. I mean, one thing about this particular timing is that most people do have some availability during that time, or at least time off work. Yeah. Maybe not but, availability. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, anyway, okay. So if, if you knew someone, if, if you'd already gone on a date with someone, it would be easier. You're saying that you got no engagement with that premise. You have gotten engagement. They just don't want to talk about that. I mean, have you brought it up at all with anybody? Not really. You've... Not really. Okay. So they, they just talk to you and they pretend like it's not in your profile. I guess, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> so there's a, some sort of weird passive aggressive way they're dealing with this. They're not. Well, I, I mean, uh, I mean, Mike, <laughs> online dating is not reasonable or rational in any way. Like you match with someone and then you have this asinine conversation. Right. And like there's hoops that both sides are trying to jump through and virtue signal. And, um, most of the women that I'm trying to talk to are fairly attractive, fairly high value. And so they have all kinds of other shit going on and like, they don't care <laughs> um, because right. after me, there's 10,000 people lined up trying to also lay them. And so it's, yeah, it's not like they're carefully considering me and like, Oh, like what can I say to be interesting? Like, Oh, this thing that he wrote about going to the Caribbean sounds interesting. Like, it's just not like that. Like if she gives me more than like 10 seconds of thought, if I've won. So, okay. There's probably some demographic I'm, I'm going to go with sufficiently unattractive demographic that would be interested in the sense that, uh, they, they would have to not feel like they're that high value. And then they might sort of consider your offer more. Uh, Maybe fully maybe although on on both tinder and bumble i don't have access to people like that because you get a elo score and you're saying that the you you can you actually cannot get access to less attractive people on tinder you you're too attractive i think if you pay for like the boost and other things they they expand the uh, types of folks that they show your profile to but generally okay. you get an attractiveness score internal to tinder and bumble they don't tell you what it is and it mostly shows your profile to people who are of similar attractiveness score i see okay so you yeah so that would help just explain like this as well on hinge you can explain you can really feel it actually you can feel i mean can't you feel it on all of them i feel like maybe tinder and bumble have more users and so the the moves in score feel less graduated than they do on hinge but i might be imagining that that could be anecdotal do you, do you think there's a similar scoring methodology on grinder no uh well really yes no i bet there is yes i just bet that the things that factor into it would be sort of fun to know and right interesting well on some level it's just going to be an elo score and for people that don't know what that is it's like when you have uh, repeated competitions, one-on-one uh, -on -one competitions, like you can sort of determine who's better and who's worse. And I, presumably here, it's just who, you know, who is initiating the matches and stuff. They can yeah. use that. And so, let so for Grinder it'd be the same. Let me try to expand on that a bit. So if I like an attractive person and they don't like me back, my ELO score will go down a little bit. 
Uh, and if an attractive person likes me, my ELO score will go up a little bit. And Doesn't then, that mean you get substantial value by paying for their like gold or platinum or whatever package because you don't ever have to like someone that doesn't like you back because you know who liked you? I'm sure they take that into account in okay. Okay. calculating their ELO score. Oh, because haven't you, I think you've told me in the past that you, on these dating apps, even if you pay, you kind of need to do a certain amount of natural matching. Otherwise, well, something bad happens, meaning you have to kind of swipe some amount. Yes, there's also the reality that they don't want to show people dead profiles. So if you never swipe, then they're not going to show you to other people because they know that you're not an active user and they don't want people to get their hopes up for inactive users. I so see. yeah, even if some... you're a paid user. Uh, look, I don't know how Tinder's okay. internals work, but yes, probably being a paid user gets you a little bit more leniency and Right. And in general, in general, you can pay for a boost, which forces your profile to be shown to other people. Right. In general, your process is that you do a certain amount of natural matching in addition to the fact that you know already who's liked you. And you probably notice that when you swipe a bunch, more people seem to see you and you get more matches for the next number of hours. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Right. So there's some recency bias. And then the ELO thing is going to be activated because you are going to have to like you could. Yeah, but it probably matter if you disliked every, if you swiped left on everyone, that would probably not work. You need to swipe right sometimes. I suspect their data scientists are cleverer than I can be. And, and right. I bet it's a moving target too. They probably change the way their algorithm works. And maybe makes sense. for different types of users, you can get in different tiers and the algorithm changes because of that. And I, yeah, who knows? This is, I mean, it kind of makes me wonder because already we were discussing before the show there's this notion that people, whether it's on Instagram or TikTok, Snapchat, these various platforms, YouTube, are in the clutches of algorithms. Yeah. You're saying that the dating, actually the dating app and who you who you date and so forth is you being in a clutch of an algorithm on some level. It makes me wonder what percentage of the average person's day now consists of time when they're basically being controlled by an algorithm. Uh, controlled is a strong word, but you see my point. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a uh, hundred years ago it was zero, unless you consider right. like a book an algorithm. You know. uh, it's extremely high, and that's a depressing thought. No, nah, maybe, maybe not. Dep- I mean, maybe it's uh, net. It's probably making people sadder. I had a question for you that I encountered about uh, online. I've encountered a lot of it's. It's certainly on TikTok or YouTube or something. So, speaking of being in the clutches of algorithms, uh-huh. um. I've seen more and more of this content basically arguing that uh, when a man gets to age, a certain age, uh, marriage just becomes not worth it. I think we talked about this last week or the week before a little bit. Okay. Um, and basically the argument is, uh, there was an innovation in this argument that I thought that was interesting. I mean, the, the basic argument is that there's an age after which uh, men's, at, like if a man is reasonably successful, whatever reasonably high status his his access to women is going to go up significantly and that age is probably early 30s uh and the the thinking there is that women's attractiveness is kind of peaked and is declining and also women are becoming increasingly aware of a that their attractiveness will continue to decline and b like things around their fertility and so forth and so they like the the dating dynamic shifts and i think this is like a real phenomenon that you you and other people you know of experience right sure yes okay um, so, but, but the argument is basically that, uh, like the legal constructs around marriage haven't shifted at all. 
And so because of that, you have these situations where uh, a man and a woman both have around equivalent incomes. But if they get married, the man is taking a much, 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 much greater risk than the woman is. Because uh, if you take, if you just take a, um, like a kind of a scatter plot of the outcomes of marriage, there are way more outcomes of marriage that are really bad for the guy, for the man than, than for the woman. Does that make sense? Uh, maybe. You mean he can lose more financially? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's not just financially, right? I mean, I mean he basically, can lose his children as well. The, the legal constructs are that uh, even if they both make around the same amount of money, if they get divorced, if they have kids, he's going to have to pay her. She's going to get the children. I'm saying going to. I realize it's not 100, percent but it's it's mm -hmm. close enough that I can basically say that mm -hmm. she's very likely to get the house. Um, uh, even if they don't have kids, depending on their relative income, she's likely to get alimony. It's very unusual for a man to get alimony, even if the woman makes more. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're married, yep. uh, even if you don't have kids, um, and if the woman makes more than the guy, she's still going to get custody of the kids, most likely in a divorce. Um, yeah. So basically there's, it's, but, but I mean, custody of the kids and things like the house are, are, are somewhat non -fin Well, the kids are obviously completely non-financial. Uh, and so basically the argument is made that men just basically, when they get to a certain age, just will come to this realization and you just won't have, you won't have marriages. Wouldn't. And the, oh, the, sorry. And the final argument is, Hey, maybe the legal construct should change. Huh. To now, apparently, so there's something I learned like a month ago. In France, they have a thing called a PAX, which is like sort of a mini. It's like a, a marriage light. <laughs> so this actually exists in at least one Western European country where there's a a way to kind of like have something like a marriage, but it's not doesn't have the same level of commitment. And we and have if that you break up, in the United States too. You just it's called a prenuptial agreement, and you write it carefully. Well, you can't prenuptially agree who gets custody of the kids. You can't. No. Why not? I mean, because, <laughs> because the, the jurisprudence, I mean, I'm not a lawyer here, but my understanding is the jurisprudence around kids is, is always what is best for the kids. So you can't like contractually agree ahead of, <laughs> before the marriage, like, well, look, we know what's right for the kids. Like, what if the guy's uh, an abuser? What if the mother's an abuser? What if right. she like, drowned one of them in a lake? You know, you can't. Yeah. These are sorts of things that could be overridden by a, a judge. And okay. there simply is like a bunch of case law around how these things are typically disposed. Do and you the think case law- goes toward the woman typically. Do you think that the law around this in the United States is incorrect? That is to say, do you think that divorce law should favor men more? I don't know. I, th I thought this is why I thought it was an interesting topic is that if you, if you believe that if, if, if your country wants to incentivize people to get married and have kids to create families, if you think that's important, now there are a lot of people who probably don't think that's important. Um, but if you think that's important, and historically, I mean, the federal government in the U.S. gives tax breaks for ch children and childcare and all this stuff. So I guess they they do subsidize that. Uh, if you think that, then you you know you have to ask the question like, okay, well, do you have the right constructs in place to incentivize people to get to get together and have kids? And if you set up marriage in such a way that once a guy hits thirty or relatively, you know, a guy above a certain status, he just goes, look, this is a terrible bargain for me. That seems like something that the government might want to address. Maybe. I mean, on the other hand, I think women in general, stereotypically, but also probably actually, are better uh, child raisers. 
And so everything being equal, I think you would want some amount of favored judgment toward women, whether it's gone too far or not. I'm not, I'm not sure, but for the best average outcomes for children, I would expect that the woman would, uh, yeah, you would, you would lean on the side of the woman more often than not. And so that the law does that doesn't necessarily seem like it's definitely wrong. To your point about men, yeah, (laughs) recognizing that uh, there's a lot of downside risk toward getting married um, and therefore not wanting to do it and not starting families. And, And these are probably typically above average achieving men. So these are the types of men you would want to maximally incentivize to have children. Why would you say that, Keith? Uh, because uh, young, you're, you're saying that a society should want to encourage above-average achieving men to have babies. Why? Why would you say that? Um, because it would be more GDP accretive on average over generations. I see. Because you would expect their kids to generate more economic activity than the kids of, say, a guy who was less well, uh, making less money. That's correct. Interesting. Okay. We can just leave that one. Um, <laughs> there's nothing okay, yeah, controversial yeah. about that. There's uh, a lot that's controversial about that. No, I, there's I, I not. Listen, completely agree more, with you, but, but more yeah. affluent uh, people typically have children that generate more money. Okay. That's true. That's, that I know is true. people, I know people would like that not to be the case. And there are many cultural reasons why it might not be the actual money that's causing that, but yada, yada. What else yeah. might there be besides money? I can't think of anything. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, okay. Yeah. So this, yeah. So the question is, right. It's this thing of guys come to this realization and they then are disinclined to get married. Right. And as it's right. And to your point about what's best for the children, I mean, I think society is left and, and, and I should point out that, um, the birth rate numbers are really low in a lot of Western countries, including the United States, which is, I think one of the reasons why. I think it's a hidden element of like immigration, asylum seekers, all this kind of stuff is like, look, like we're not, we're way below replacement rate. And so there's sort of like a lot of people that acknowledge that you need people from somewhere to continue our country. This is certainly true in Europe as well. But, but the, um, the question would be, is it better to have a system that optimizes for the kids, but then you might not have any kids or a system that says, look, this is a little less optimal for the kids, but like then at least we'll get kids. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's those lines cross. I'm not sure where the sweet spot is. Okay. Um, as it is now. Yeah. So, I mean, the the people that I've seen on uh, the algorithms, the algorithms have fed to me people basically arguing that, yeah, that basically, uh, uh, there should be something, something like marriage light, or something that allows people to commit to each other uh, in a way that um, makes family formation more likely, but that protects the guy from things like child support and so forth. Huh. That feels very <laughs> red pilly, but potentially, yeah, like as, as a sociologist, like trying to think about like what kinds of policies will generate social outcomes that are desirable. Yeah, there's some, there's something interesting there. Uh, the only um, other thing I was going to mention here is uh, I watched a, a po- there's another po- there's a dating podcast that's surprisingly popular called Whatever. Have you heard of this podcast? No. 
so it's people, they, they, they do it on video. I, I think part of the reason it's popular is they often bring lovely young women on and have video turned on. And so then you get a certain YouTube audience and so forth just to, and often they wear low cut dresses, which I appreciate. It's sort of like a combination podcast and chatterbait. Okay. <laughs> um, they're low cut enough that you could, you could rub one out to it. In any event, the following situation occurred that I was trying to, to uh, understand. Uh-huh. Uh, the gentleman, the co-host of the podcast said something to one of their lovely, very attractive young f- female guest. She said to him in return, uh, I think that's pretty misogynistic. He asked her, can you define what you mean by misogynistic? Uh-huh. And she did not speak anymore, started crying and then asked to leave. Now, do you think she didn't know what the word misogynistic meant? And that's why she did that? Because I just described to you the totality of the clip that I saw. Uh, I think that the kindest interpretation of that would be that she full well knows what misogyny is. And she is easily triggered by men being aggressive toward her in any sense. And she found that situation so overwhelming that she needed to excuse herself. I think a more likely interpretation okay. of that is that she may not have known what misogyny meant. She felt checkmated. She was sort of overcome by embarrassment and instead decided to. Uh, so how would that work? So you would, she would have a sense that misogyny is a negative thing that you can say about something a guy says, but she doesn't actually know what the word, like, I feel like you, you when you yeah. use a word, you could typically define it because you just used it. And she did right. use it appropriately. Like it was contextual. It's like, oh, okay. And so it was su- yeah. very surprising to me that she couldn't just give some kind of definition. I don't know. I mean, my brain's going to some like bad places here. But yeah, like she's been sort of inculcated by this, like, is that the right word? Inculcate? I think it is. Sure. Inculcated is like drawn into something. Or yeah. Like, like taught by, to. Yeah. Like, like her information bubble, uh, you know, has convinced her that, um, you know, various things are are true. True is in quotes there, and she's surrounded by people that just like agree with her. And so when she's ever challenged, it it can be sort of overwhelming and and hard. Um, okay, but part of the stuff that she's been inculcated with is that yeah, like everything is triggering. So yeah, there's like a. There's like a meta snowball going on here where just the just trying to have a conversation about like why conversation is hard is a hard conversation. And, you know, here we go. Yeah, this this goes along with um, uh, I consume I actually consume a a fair amount. There still remains a significant amount of far left X, not X rated content. I mean, Twitter. Mm -hmm. It's hard because when you talk about Twitter now, it sounds like you're talking about porn. Yeah. Um, there's, so I consume, I tend to consume, I consume a significant amount, both on far left and far right. And one of the things I've noticed on the, uh, from far right stuff is there, is there as data that I've seen recently that suggests that, uh, coincident with mobile phone, with the iPhone adoption starting like 2012, that like the scores, the test scores of young people have just, uh, dropped significantly. Hmm. And so I wonder about things like that when I see young people, in these kinds of situations, uh, predicaments even, and I see it somewhat often, I think to myself, wow, maybe, yeah, maybe these devices have just made it so these people don't, they haven't developed their brains sufficiently and they just, they're, they, they, they believe things that don't make any sense. They don't even really know how to evaluate them and so forth. And it made me think of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I think I spend more time reading. Like, every decade that's passed, I think I spent more time reading. Like, the internet has given me access to words that I like to read more than before. But I think most young people are not really reading more. They're probably watching, well, right now, TikTok more. And the test scores certainly bear that out. There's there's a there's an alarming, I would say, uh, de- decline. There's been an alarming decline across the entire uh, Western world, meaning Western Europe and the United States. So even forth, if you uh, in reading, math, and writing skills, even if you tease out pandemic effects. Oh yeah, it started. Uh, it's it, the data that I've seen. Um, it's just it, it's obviously it starts with uh, s- there's some moment in the iPhone and Android ecosystems evolution where it started. Yeah, uh, and as a parent, I. It, that of course that's I, you know that's an that's a anecdata but for me I, I would tend to concur that like okay. it's, there's a but that there's there's strong evidence that like some something bad happened got it yeah and, and oh and it was pre-pandemic it, it may have gotten worse um, hmm. yeah that's not it's not great <laughs> um all right we should move on to some of these yes. topics uh this person says what to do after the guy comes in your mouth? What should I do after I finish giving a blowjob? Every time I do it, I swallow because I know guys like that and I enjoy making the guys I suck off feel good. Oh, hmm. Humanitarian. Sometimes I want to kiss them, but they always say, I'm not kissing you after you just had my cum in your mouth. And it just makes me feel so awkward and used. Hmm. How do I deal with this? Like, do I just swallow his cum and go to the bathroom to clean my mouth and then come back to kiss him? It's like so awkward and weird. So what do you think about the what do you think about the term suck off? Mm, like suck me off. I sucked him off. Uh I don't I, I feel medium on it. I don't I don't have strong feelings one way or the okay, other. I kinda like it. Yeah, huh. I'm not sure why. Like it's I, I yeah, I don't like eat out. Yeah, the various euphemisms for a man going down on a woman you hate. Yeah. But suck off I sort of like, and I think it's because it's because of how important to me, like the dominance hierarchy is between men and women. Like, so suck off feels very servile, and I like that. I see. Kind of turns me on a little bit. Well, this woman feels awkward and used by that servility. Well, she doesn't like the fact that he doesn't want to kiss her after se- his semen's been in her mouth, which is I a think, really common. Thing. Yeah, I think that's going to be eighty x percent of men. Right. Yes. Maybe ninety. Yes. Um, yeah. It's 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 it's. it's not what most guys want to do. And when, and even if, if I see it in a porn, it bothers me. I mean, I it takes s- me out of the moment. Uh, if you wait, if you see what in a, in a porn, if I see a blow, if I'm watching a porn and the guy uh-huh. nuts in his female partner's mouth and then he yeah. kisses her, oh. I don't like that. I want him to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think even if there was like motioning towards each other's faces, I would, I would skip the video. I'd be, I'd be out before it, it even happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, as we have discussed many times, I have never tasted my own cum and I don't intend to change that. Um, Outside of the, like, I'm sure there's some amount of, there's a, there's a minuscule amount of cum in your diet. Of course. Yes. I've, I've had cum molecules in my mouth. We all I'm have. Sure. There's a little slim shady in all of us. <laughs> so... Is she so? I can obviously imagine why she feels awkward and used because uh, an awkward thing just happened and he was using her. So why? Yeah, like what? What's going on with other women who would report that they don't feel at all awkward or used? I think that I think that 
in general, I think women don't like this about the blowjob experience. I think this is okay. a common negative thing. And I think it highlights uh, an important delta between how men and women perceive these kinds of events is the man perceives it very much as he's done this thing to her and she perceives it as like we we had sex with each other. Right. <laughs> There's like an important difference in the way they process what's happened. Yes. And this highlights that difference. And some women don't care. You know, they're just like, okay, fine. Like men and women are different. Like we right. see sex differently. And this woman, it's it's bothering her. I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable to be bothered by this. I mean, th this is one of the reasons. I why. don't think so. I think women would be happier. I think in a lot of cases, women would be happier if they could take the sex act the way the man does. I think the I think men's. I think I think the way men process what happens during sex makes is more fun than the way women do. And if a woman could. I think that's a big part of the reason why men have much more drive, even setting aside testosterone and stuff towards sex than women do is because it's more fun. Like the way guys, like it's not that fun to have be like, oh, we're going to do this thing where there's a lot of closeness. It's like, that's right. fun. That's nice. It's cool. Right. But it's right. much cooler to have like this thing where it's like you're, I don't know, where, where you're conquering, but also being conquered. Like this dominance. Right. Like I think that women, I think basically all women would enjoy sex more if they explored typically the submissive role that's possible in it. And so it's like, yeah, he he came in your mouth and you swallowed it like a good little girl. Right. And now he's like, yeah, he's a little grossed out, but it's fine. You can just like go have a Coke or brush your teeth or whatever. And it'll be <laughs> fine. It'll be in five and five minutes. But that's, yeah, like you're submissive, like that you did your chore. I think women should actually take that on more and see. And I think they can have fun in it. Well, and, and the, you know, plurality or majority of women who report enjoying giving blowjobs must be doing that to some extent. I mean- I guess it's possible yeah. that like having the nut in their mouth makes them feel more close or whatever. I think I think most women they like the fact that the guy isn't he's giving. I think most women it's like a closeness thing. It's like they 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 process sex as a form of intimacy, which it is. Uh, but I just think that like it's the less fun way to process it. <laughs> That's all. Like, yeah, I, like as a guy, I can see it really clearly. Like if I was for, like, imagine if you were forced, if I said, look, Keith, you're going to have this, you know, lovely woman that you've been on 10 dates with. You guys are going to go have sex now. Okay. Let's say four dates because I don't want to engage your, um, what's that called? Coolidge effect. Uh, the anti, the, the thing where you start becoming less attracted because you've been with the same partner. It's not many times. really an issue until you've actually had sex. No, okay, fine, but 10 implied you'd had sex like six times. Oh, okay, no, seven all right, all right, fourth date, let's go. Okay, and I say to you, okay, but I want you as like a kind of a mental practice, I want you to really process this as it's an intimacy experience, not a dominant submissive experience. So I really want you to like th focus in on that part of the experience the entire time. I think it, mm -hmm. you wouldn't enjoy it very much. <laughs> it'd be okay, like you'd have a good nice yeah. orgasm, it'd be good, but you'd be like this, there's something missing. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's probably true. I think you can have experiences like that after you've known somebody for much longer. I still Even, think it's going to be worse sex. It might be. Yeah. But but at, like least I think, the, at least that experience will be more positive. Yeah. Like there are other things that can be, you know, you can go to a baseball game together. You can like <laughs> go have a, a, a cherry Sunday, Sunday together. But like this, like fucking is more fun if it's like has the dominant submissive element. And so I think my advice to this woman is like, yeah, like, like think about that, like try to lean into that. And I think she might actually have more fun. Um, that being said, I don't know. Um, since I know women are more intimacy focused, like maybe 
actually that could destroy it for women. And she's like, okay, it's like, thanks for the advice, Mike. Now I feel like I'm getting raped every time I have sex or something. Like, right. I could see her, I could see her being very negative as well. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're missing some details here. It could be that the guy's just being a total dick, right? Like there's some amount of <laughs> reasonable aftercare that can be expected and he may or may not be providing that. I'm not sure. It sounds like probably not. Is that right though? I mean, if you, if you're okay. Like, I think that falls on the same axis, right? Like, if you're in a dominant submissive kind of play, like, do you want to immediately after the guy comes switch to, like, not doing that anymore? I think it makes sense for it to kind of gradually, to move out of the scene gradually, right? You don't want to just immediately say a safe word and switch over to cuddling. I think it's kind of, like, in other words, I think the woman could lean into, like, the guy's post-nut clarity, too. It's like, yeah, he's just being, he's hard. He's a, he's a tough guy. <laughs> Right, and then like ten minutes later, he'll be nice to you. You, make but, you know, it's part of the experience. Rolls over, it has a little snooze. <laughs> sure, yeah. But that's but the, but like I can see. I mean, if I were sort of super, I can sort of inhabit in my mind a little bit the the submissive role, and like it seems kind of compelling. It's like, yeah, he, he used me. Like I could see that being compelling. I think women, after they've been come in or on, would prefer a little bit of. I, I, I don't know if comforting's the word. Not being totally stonewalled by their partner. Yeah, but maybe that's a mistake. I know they would prefer it, but maybe they should consider the alternative. I think you're just describing your ideal relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there may be a woman out there, but man, uh, yeah. Look, I don't she know. should I just mean, turn on Fox it. News on the TV and just right. leave the room. Right. <laughs> Mike's dream. Okay, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so this person says, my boyfriend and I have been together for over five years. Due to our respective jobs, we go through periods of long distance every now and then. A few weeks ago, one of those six-month chunks of time, we reunited. We went out for dinner and drinks and then went home. We started having sex and we're both super into it because clearly we'd missed each other. At some point, I asked nice. to get some lube. Because we'd been going for a while, but he kept going and said that he wanted to make me wet so he we didn't need the lube. It hurt, though, so I asked him to stop. Hmm. He asked, didn't I miss him too? And I said, yes, but it hurts, so can we get some lube or stop? Anyway, he stopped and seemed really upset. We talked the next day, and I brought up consent. He apologized and seemed really genuine. The issue is now he won't come near me. He only reciprocates if I initiate but even then won't do anything unless I explicitly ask, even kiss my neck. I feel confused because I didn't mean I wanted every little thing to be a conversation. I just asked that when I said stop, he didn't try to negotiate with me. I don't feel like I can complain because technically your boyfriend wanting consent at all times is a good thing. But is there a way I can bring it up without sounding like I'm contradicting myself? Okay, I think she's misreading what happened here. Really? Yeah. Let's, let's hear it. I, okay. I disagree, I think, but go on. All right, so here's my uh, theory of the case. I think that... He thinks that a woman's wetness is directly proportional to her turned onness. He it, was it sort of is. I mean, well, I would like we can do it here. Let me. Let me. Uh, how much of the wetness has gotten to like the outer labia or whatever? Like, has gotten to the but like generally, like I think there's some quantity there that is linearly connected to a tra a turned onness and time. But go on. Well, all right, perhaps. Anyway, there's some constant factor for all women. Like some women are going and there's hormonal. Okay, fine. Yeah, there can be other factors. I'll, there's I'll, various I'll, things. Like I think okay. people can be de dehydrated. That's true. Um, 
I have never right. been with You're a right. woman who has this problem, obviously, but I've, I've heard. Um, anyway. I like uh, that you characterize it as a problem. <laughs> sorry. This, this, this issue. This issue. Yeah, I got it. This, this uh, occurrence. Challenge. Right. Uh, and so I... So I think that happened. He felt emasculated when she asked him to stop. And now he right. might be doing this like petty consent thing because the next day she was like, look, like everything should be consensual. And he's like, all right, fuck you. I'll make everything consensual. But he might also still have his feelings about. So I'm not sure if he's being petty or if his feelings are hurt. But um, yeah, if somebody could explain to him like, look, like sometimes women aren't a gushing fountain and it doesn't mean they don't like you especially if she's like asking you to go get lube. Uh, I think it yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure this like consent. I think this consent thing, he might be performing because he's upset or being petty. I, I completely agree with that. I think that the there, so there was um, people may have heard this. If, if you're in California, you know about this, that California's public utility PG and E is like the worst public utility in the world, certainly mm-hmm. in the country. I don't know about the world. Uh, and they, there's all kinds of, they, they charge an insane amount of money for per kilowatt hour, et cetera. But, uh, a few years back they burned down, they burned down a city, a town. <laughs> uh, and the way they did it is they hadn't maintained their power lines properly. And like that involves getting rid of like the pine trees that grow under them and so forth. And they came down, uh, in a windstorm and they, electrical fire. Yeah. It started a fire, you know, ideally when the wire is on the way down, some electronic device would trip and detect that and turn off the power. That's complicated, apparently, which makes sense, and it, it didn't get it in time. In any event, after people were all pissed about that, they had lawsuits, they went bankrupt, all this kind of stuff. Then they started doing something, and there's a term for it. It's something compliance. It's like it's like something compliance. It's basically where you like follow all the rules exactly to the letter of the law. Oh, uh, and everybody was like, "Look, you're just doing this because you're mad that you <laughs> right. got sued into the Stone Age for burning this town down, which you definitely did." Right. Um, and I think this guy's doing the same thing. It's like, so yeah. So like they would do things like, I mean, uh, in my neighborhood, they just, they just cut down so fucking many trees around their power lines. It would, it couldn't, it didn't make any sense what they were doing. And it's sort of the same thing. They're, they're just trying to like teach. He's just trying to teach her a lesson. Uh, and it might be subconscious. He mostly, he's just mad at her. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, the loop thing though, I mean, I was watching chatterbait last night Mm -hmm. and there was a woman and I thought she was a fan. Like I, uh, I think you, you, you think you would be a good like consultant to sugar babies. I do. Yes. I think I would be a really good consultant to cam girls because oh, I think sure I know. Yeah. Like this woman was really good at it and the keys she was doing, fuck, oh, she was really good at it. She would ask the guys to put their cock on camera so she could watch them beating off. And then she would like to talk about how awesome it was. And, 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 and whoever gave the most money was her daddy. Yeah, she was very interactive. She seemed to be enjoying herself. She wasn't, right? Uh, and she would sort of go through the motions. She had a certainly fake orgasm at one point, uh, <laughs> but it was like the key is like she. The key is she like was really doing a good job of acting the part of being happy to be there. Like this is fun for me now. Right. On the lube thing though, I I so I was doing some work on my computer and I just had it. <laughs> as I do sometimes in a window off to, I have a very wide monitor. I had it off to the right of my screen mm-hmm. uh, for like, a, I don't know. She was on there for like an hour and a half. Partly because I just think the dynamic is interesting. It's like, what happens? I mean, 
Yeah. Nobody sits there for an hour and a half, right? She yeah, knows that. For you. Right. So I'm sort of curious, like, what's it like <laughs> for these women? I mean, yeah. I, actually, I would recommend to guys listening to the podcast. Like, it's sort of interesting because, like, they repeat, right? Of they course. have these things they repeat. They have multiple orgasms every, like, 20 minutes. They they put their panties on. They take them off. They take their bra. Like, it just goes again and right. again. Right. Um, but part of it is she had these dildos. And I was, I, so I went for a walk afterward. Uh, and I was thinking, like, how, <laughs> how, like, what is the ability of the vagina to tolerate having things yeah. pushed in and out of it? Like, is it, is it, so I actually don't know the answer to this. Uh, we could ask a female guest at some point. Is it like my penis? Like, so my penis gets tired from sex in the sense that, like, the, uh, I think, like, the erectile tissue will get kind of sore. Yes. So if I have an yeah, erection, I don't know too why long, that is, but, but that definitely happens. Yeah. But if you, but if I rub this, like, if I rub just along the shaft, I'm not entirely sure how long it would take for that to get irritating. Um, I can think about rubbing like the inside of my mouth. I could rub on my fingers. Like they're different thicknesses of skin on your body. I just yeah. don't know where the vagina sort of, I, I, my prior is that it's around like your mouth. Um, it must be a little tougher than that though, because like this woman, I mean, I don't know how many thrusts she under, underwent of this dildo, but it was a lot. The dildo is and also normally- masturbating. The dildo is made out of a material that slides well, and maybe she was using, did, did you notice if she was using any lube? She was, yeah. But even so, like, yeah, I mean, there's, how I many? don't know, like, I think the inside of a vagina is something like the inside of like a cheek, like whatever damage it incurs, it heals really quickly. Okay, but how long would you want to have a banana going in and out of your mouth for? Even with like saliva as lube or just lube, yeah, an hour, like four hours. I think and I'm not sure su- how long this woman was doing this. I think with sufficient lube, it might not do damage, but I'm not sure. Huh? I I was looking for redness, and I sort of would look over every like 20 minutes or so, and like kind of yeah. inspect. <laughs> and she was also rubbing. Now I noticed her masturbation. The trick she was using, and I'm aware of this trick, is she she looks like she's masturbating, but she's actually rubbing in circles uh, on the labia, not on the clit. Mm. So that like there's, it's like a magic trick, right? right. You can see the sleight of hand there. And right. I, cause I've got to think that rubbing the clit, it's sort of like your penis. Like there is right. erectile tissue yeah, the there. It would get annoying. Right. Yeah. Um, hmm. Although I don't know if you, if your, if your penis was flaccid the whole time, rubbing it might just not matter. I guess maybe that's the right thing to do is just sit there and try. I just think I would get erections. It would be annoying. Yeah. Well, and with penis tissue, you'll get like an abrasion after a while. Like, but you don't that. think you would get that in your in your vagina? Uh, the the vagina has some wetness, and the lube provides some wetness. Like, if I, I had know. lube on my cock and my hand and tons of it, maybe it would like not. I don't know. The problem is, I guess the, you can the run for hours. Sort. Yeah, like you can run for hours, and your feet are rubbing something. Yeah. And like it's able to deal with that. Like your, your legs are probably rubbing together a little bit. Yes. Your arms are rubbing like your armpit. Yeah, but so lots maybe, of yeah. people get, um, they get abrasion scars under their arms, on the insides of their thighs, and sometimes like where their socks rub on the bottoms of their legs. So like it happens. You can solve that with, you can largely solve that with lube, right? Obviously in a people running environment, it's tricky. Yeah. Right? Or this stuff called glide. Yeah, but if you're if you're doing a dildo in your vagina, you can lube it much more effectively. I mean, you have a kind of a container for the lube, the, the vagina itself. So it's yeah, kind of, yeah. I don't know. I was just I was sort of interested in that. Yeah, element. I can't ask on Cam Girl Problems subreddit because I was banned 
uh, I forget. I forget now why I was. You banned. can make a new but, account, although maybe they'll IP ban you eventually. Probably. <laughs> they they just be I, I they, yeah I mean it, the thing is I I'm obviously a man because I would ask something stupid I wouldn't uh, have the right. right and probably yeah women probably all know oh yeah if you lube it up it doesn't make any difference or something anyway you don't want to out yourself so quickly I can I can see why a guy would take some offense to a woman needing lube I can't it does too. suggest a little bit of decreased attraction or something it does. It does. Unless it's like a systemic thing. If it's every time, well, that's different. But if it's like, oh, just this one time, you're going to be like, right, huh. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's the unspoken thing. Like, I didn't read the comments, but I'm sure all of them are like, you're fine, girl. Like, it, yeah, whatever. But yeah, like <laughs> everything being equal, like if you get down there and it's bone dry, that's probably not the uh, best sign. Well, I mean, it suggests that you shouldn't, that she doesn't want to have sex with you. So I would, I guess the appropriate thing for a guy to do is to not push the issue and do something else. Yeah. That's true. Men, when exposed to a naked vagina, are not want to be responsible, typically. I think most men, though, have the experience of having sex when they don't really want to. Although, maybe some men have never had that experience. It's not great. I mean, I sort of understand what it's like for uh, a woman in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that experience. Many yeah. times. Um, all right, let's move on. So this person says, does the smell of vaginas linger on dicks after sex? To put it briefly, a guy told me that he loved the way he smelled after having sex with me. That when he got home, he noticed the smell of my pussy lingering on his dick, even after showering, and he really enjoys the smell. Could this simply be our pheromones being compatible? I wonder if any guy has ever experienced this before as well. I personally think it's sweet and a confidence booster that he likes the way I smell. Well... Uh, it sounds like a one where the right response is some guy to say, I like the smell of your vagina on my cock after we have sex too. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is not like I choose your wife. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, does vagina smell linger through a shower? Yes. I think it does too. I think yeah. it takes like two showers or something before I wouldn't be able to reliably detect. I don't know if that's true for other um, bodily fluids, like for example, blood. I don't. I've, no, I've, I've never been sufficiently bathed in blood to test this. <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, it doesn't. It's not true for poop, but that might be because you have this motivation to really carefully wash off anything that is covered in poop, <laughs> and I it guess. also has a distinctive color. Yeah, I mean, also most men have pubes, and I think. Things could like linger in there or something. I'm not sure. Maybe men don't. I, I I will say this though. I have noticed this to be the case even after assiduously using soap in a way that I feel like should have removed it. Me too. So it's something <laughs> beyond that. It's not. In other words, this is not like a hygiene issue for the guy. No, I don't think right? it is. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. I guess I sort of implied that, but I agree. I don't think it is. Yeah. Like there's. This is like something getting into pores or some. It's something that's like going into your penis and then coming back out or something. It's not something that's cleanable via soap immediately. I have no idea about the compatible uh, pheromones. I don't think that's likely to be true. I know people talk about that. I don't. The, the I reason don't why know. a guy would like this smell is simply because he's like it's two things. It's like then there's like the forward like oh i can have sex again and then there's like yeah i I, this means i fucked and so you're sort of proud of yourself you're like yeah 
Right. So there's just, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of amusing comments here. This woman says, yes, I smelled another woman on my husband more than once. I'm now single after 20 years of marriage. This person says, yes, I fucking hmm. love when I can smell my wife on my dick. It's hot as fuck. Nothing is better than a good tasting and smelling pussy. Now, this implies that there are bad tasting and smelling pussies. Sure. I mean, I think women can have... Okay. Maybe the analogy here is body odor, right? So some people have stronger body odor than others. Um, and p- some women probably have stronger and different tasting uh, pussies than others. But absent of some sort of health issue, like I think yeast infections classically can make things a little bit uh, not so great down there. I think it matters a lot whether... Uh, so unfortunately, it depends on what your kink is. So maybe I shouldn't say unfortunately, but like it's pretty difficult to separate a vulva from urine. Just like, I mean, honestly, a penis, although a penis, when you pee, right, it doesn't like, it just comes out the little hole and it doesn't smear around. Like, (laughs) yeah, for a woman, like there's unfortunately like just the way fluid dynamics work, it's much harder for a woman to avoid. It would be like if every time you peed your, the head of your cock was bathed in pee. That's like a good analogy, I think, for like the female pee. It's not quite like that. I mean, so I actually, all right, so it comes out the urethra. Yes. And then I think it sort of depends on labia shape, how much it I mean, gets I like think, swirled around. Like, right. can't, a, it, a, can't they rope a stream as well? Yes. A woman can make an effort to kind of spread everything mm-hmm. and pee in a certain way. And in most cases, make it so it's similar to the male experience. Although still, you're going to have some amount at the end, just like a man does, that sort of drips down. It's just that for a guy, this is something like a, a roofer or someone who works with gutters would understand like because the male penis droops down, those drip droplets don't, just because of gravity, they're going to go yeah. the preferred direction, right? Yeah. Whereas with the woman, like because of um, surface tension, there's no protrusion for them to sort of get to the end of and have to drip like a drip edge on a gutter or something like that. So they're going to adhere. So you're going to wind up, there, there would be no way for a woman not to have more pee than a man on her parts. Which is why women, but importantly, I think, I think on, most ahead. women wipe after. It's true, but just with a dry, um, a dry piece of toilet paper typically. And the other thing I want to say is women, when they sit on the toilet, don't typically spread their labia maximally to pee. They just pee. And so then you're run, then it is like what I said in terms of like, it would be like, it's not, okay. It's not that different than if a man was like, Hey, the way I like to pee is I sit down and I pee upward (laughs) (laughs) and it just goes everywhere. It's not that different from that. Right. Right. Um, so it just gets over your balls and everything. The thing I want to say though, is that, so you have a certain amount of urine, like, so whether she peed since she last say showered matters. Yeah. And then what she ate that is in that pee, because you can obviously asparagus, but there's other things too, right? Yes, of course. Everything everything matters some non-zero amount. Exactly. So all of these, so, so I think that urine is a, and it's not exactly hygiene. It's just like when things happen matters kind of a lot for like how this operates, right? Even if a person's very hygienic, unless they take significant care with their urinary schedule, they're going to have fluctuating odor and taste. Yeah. In a way that a guy kind of wouldn't. Uh, Even if there is pee residue, I would expect 
that to go away after a couple licks. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I mean, you it's it's yes, but I mean, it doesn't take like human disgust reflexes are pretty powerful things. I mean, like if I said, look, there's just one layer of poop on this, like you you just have to lick through no, it. Like I know, no, I know, but like when you go down on one a woman. If she's a little bit wet, like maybe the the uh, you know the the wetness secretion sort of can dominate the uh, whatever remaining pee molecules there are. I think that's possible. Um, I don't know if it's correct in in practice or not. I'm just thinking. I remember in high school having a conversation with a girlfriend about this because she was. She wanted me to understand <laughs> that this is some sort of like proto-feminism. She wanted me to understand that like it was a pretty big give for her to give me blowjobs because I peed from that hole too. Uh, yeah. And then she made she she told me that she preferred it if there was like pre-cum because that meant it had removed the pee. Oh, interesting. So she would sort of like she preferred that she preferred to have a certain amount of arousal before giving the blow because she she thought maybe correctly maybe she was like preternaturally good at this and smart that like yeah it would clear out the passageways and so she didn't have to interact with the pee taste and smell that's not a crazy theory it's not actually <laughs> right i don't it's think just, it's also it's also might just be a way to get more foreplay or something but yeah sometimes <laughs> sometimes when i pee it'll like not be a perfect stream and right I can imagine a little bit more getting on my head in that case maybe not though because it's all going out and away i'm gonna pay yeah, more the, attention to this this is a much bigger issue for uncircumcised men because if you don't pull back the foreskin oh, as an yeah. uncircumcised man it's you're basically doing it's you're having the, the bathing your head of your cock same problem thing yeah okay. yes all right well i'm glad or we you could just do what i do and sit on in the shower or lie down and pee upward have you ever done that <laughs> No. I actually haven't either. But like it sounds, it's a thing that a person could do. It sounds mildly compelling. I don't think I'm going to because I think the disgust of having the pee on me. But if you're in a shower, <laughs> I can imagine if I'd had like three beers and I was like outside or something and like next to a lake, like a place where I could imme- immediately bathe. I might be, I could imagine doing that. If you had a girl that you were dating and you wanted to, you were like George Costanza, or is he the one that doesn't want to break up anyway? And you don't, you're too timid to be the breakupper. Uh-huh. It could be a way you break up with girls. You're like, hey, I just need you to know I have this kink. Come in the bathroom and watch me do this. And I think like more than five percent of them would just be like, all right, I no. I think it's. I mean, I mean, the problem <laughs> you have a problem either way. I mean, either they're not okay with it and they really should not be okay with it and they're and they're out or they are okay with it and then where are you right like there's no there's no good good outcome there all right that'll do it for all this right. episode of your mileage may vary you can send us feedback or questions to ymmvpod at gmail.com that's ymmv at gmail.com we pay ten dollars pod at gmail.com oh did i skip the part all right ymmvpod at gmail.com whoever has ymmv at gmail.com has gotten emails i know before, i feel I know. yeah no, oh, well, poor them. It's like the uh, the guy who owns ymmv.com. I've tried to like email him. Have you ever yeah. been to that site? It's like a site. It, it's it's from 1998. Really? Anyway. Yeah, I emailed should, him. I was like, hey, you know, I would buy it off you for us. Right. Yeah, maybe he's dead. 
keeps mm-hmm. getting renewed every year. It's a decent domain name. Um, but I mean, our show is popular enough now that like we, YMMV, if you're looking for a podcast or something like that, we dominate. So it doesn't right. really matter at this point. Right. Yeah, that's, it's annoying not having a base domain name, but yeah. here we are. Anyway, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week on Your Mileage May Vary. Je veux et je viens Entre tes reins Je vais et je viens Je me retiens Non